And I, I just hope that kids will realize the power, the power in their voice, um, the power in the choices that they're making and the lessons that they're learning. And that's regardless of, of what it is that they want to do. You know, this isn't necessarily a story about how a person can get elected to Congress, but more so how a person can, um, can embrace the path and journey that they're on. I'm Bianca Schultz from the Children's Book Review, and this is the Growing Readers Podcast. In this episode, I talk with Congresswoman Sharice Davids, who was inspired to public service by her single mom, an army drill sergeant. Raised on military bases, Sharice worked her way through Johnson County Community College in Kansas City before eventually earning a law degree from Cornell Law School. As a first-generation college student who had to work for everything, including martial arts lessons, Representative Davids is focused on increasing opportunity by supporting public education and affordable health care. Davids was a White House fellow under President Barack Obama. When she was sworn into the 116th Congress, Representative Davids became one of the first two Native American women to serve in Congress. Today we discuss the powerful autobiography, Sharice's big voice, a native kid becomes a congresswoman. Before we dive in, here's the book synopsis. This autobiography tells the triumphant story of Sharice Davids, one of the first Native American women elected to Congress and the first LGBTQ congressperson to represent Kansas. When Sharice Davids was young, she never thought she'd be in Congress. And she never thought she'd be one of the first Native American women in Congress. During her campaign, she heard from a lot of doubters. They said she couldn't win because of how she looked, who she loved, and where she came from. But here's the thing. Everyone's path looks different, and everyone's path has obstacles. And this is the remarkable story of Sharice David's path to Congress. Beautifully illustrated by Joshua Mangeshigpur Steckley, an Ojibwe woodland artist, this powerful autobiographical picture book teaches readers to use their big voice and that everyone deserves to be seen and heard. The back matter includes information about the Ho-Chunk written by former Ho-Chunk president John Greendeer, an artist note, and an inspiring letter to children from Sharice Davids. Well, welcome Congresswoman Sharice Davids. I am beyond excited to talk to you about your new picture book, your autobiography. And before we dive in, I just have to tell you that I feel like you are a little bit of a superhero, literally, (laughs) (laughs) because, well, I mean, 
if the movies tell us like Bruce Lee, you're actually trained in martial arts and you have these amazing biceps and you could fight off the bad guys literally. But I think where your true superpowers lie are what comes from inside of you. And it's your incredible powers to, and your willingness to listen to others, to learn about them and to speak up using your voice to help raise the voice of so many others. And I just wanted to start off by thanking you for doing that. Wow. I appreciate that. That's probably the most uh, amazing intro I've ever gotten. (laughs) Well, I just like, I mean, honestly, I I am in awe of you. Um, So before I fangirl too much, I want to introduce the title of your book, which is Sharice's Big Voice. A native kid becomes a congresswoman. And it tells your story of how you became one of the first Native American women elected to Congress and the first LGBTQ congressperson to represent Kansas. Did you ever imagine? Well, actually, I already know the answer to this, but I want to hear you say it. Did you ever imagine you'd be one of the first Native American women to serve in Congress? Uh, no, I, I didn't at all. And in fact, it's interesting because I, I didn't even think of being in Congress as like, that was not something that I had ever really imagined as a, certainly as a, as a kid. And then even in my uh, adult life, it wasn't until, well, shoot, you know, I actually sometimes still will be talking to my mom and I'll say, can you believe I ran for Congress? (laughs) So (laughs) It's still something that I I have to pinch myself every now and again. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, let's talk about the very fitting title, Sharice's Big Voice. Will you share why the title is meaningful to you? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, you know, I, so I'm, I'm Ho-Chunk, which is um, a tribe in Wisconsin and Ho-Chunk is often uh, referred to as people of the big voice, uh, and and we consider ourselves, um, and it means people of the sacred voice. And you know, we have uh, traditions that tell us that the, our name was given to us by the Creator, and uh, blessed us with a voice and a language that could speak directly to the Creator. And so, um, you know, we have uh, traditions that say that other other folks from other tribes would come to the Ho-Chunk people and ask um, for, for really my ancestors to speak to the creator or um, say, you know, prayers or blessings and hopes that their messages would be, would be heard. And um, so, so I want, I always want to do what I can to honor and respect um, the Ho-Chunk people in my tribe. And, and then of course, as you read the book, you will see that as a, as a, as a young, as a young person, I, I talked a lot. I still talk a lot actually. Um, and the title is, uh, is also a reflection of that. And I, I think this was a great way for me to, um, honor respect and in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, authentically represent that my, my big voice uh, has certainly grown and I, I, I'm really glad that I was able to find it. And hopefully the, hopefully when reading this book, other, 
other kids will, will figure out ways to find their voice too. Yeah. Do you know, I loved the little section in the book where you're a young student and um, it talks about how you would get into trouble in the classroom for talking too much. And, um, you know, and, 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 but yet you still kept your voice. But then in that moment in the book, when you're talking about how you got into trouble, you, um, ended up learning about your skills of of listening to others. Um, and there was a sweet little section where there's a young boy who was uh, feeling sad and um, through talking with him and having a dialogue with him and then stopping to listen, it seems like that was a little bit of a pivotal moment for you. Is that right? Yeah. And I was, um, I'm glad you, I'm glad you touched on that specific story, because I think that the things that I took away from that, and, and of course, as an, as an adult now that I, that I look back on and realize is that, you know, a lot of times I think that kids look at us as adults and think that maybe we have all the answers or, um, you know, might see that I'm in Congress now and, and think, well, she probably always knew she wanted to be in Congress or she never made mistakes or she never got in trouble in school or something to that effect. But I think that story actually illustrates the ways that, um, you know, sometimes we learn things that we don't even realize how important those lessons are until we're a little bit older and recognizing that both talking and listening are things that I was, I was learning along the way as a, as a young person. And those things were actually really important. And so I, I thought it was important to include this story. Although I have to admit it was my, my mom who, um, who brought the story up. Um, she was the one who remembered to re remember that in a way that was, you know, my mom had a pretty big influence on my life, of course. And, and then even just in which stories we, we shared in the book. Yeah. That came across too, in the book a lot. I feel like your mom is right there from, from, from page one and uh, plays, plays a role through, through the story, which tells me that she was, you know, obviously a really, really important uh, part of, who you are today, um, which I'm sure is true for a lot of, of kids and, and their moms. Um, well, it's also clear from reading the book that you want young readers to come away with the knowledge that no matter the obstacles they come up, up against in their lives, that there are many paths to success. Can you speak to this element of the story? Yeah, you know, it was. it's interesting because I think without realizing it as, uh, as I was writing, um, and, and working with, even with the illustrator who I think did an amazing job, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit about the work he does, um, in a bit, but I, I think exactly what you said about each person having their own path was something that I felt really, that I felt was really important and, and that all of us, because we have our own journey, um, you know, we need to be true to that. And that journey 
has ups and downs or, uh, you know, twists and turns that we definitely don't always expect. We'll have people who doubt us or people who cheer us on. And um, all of those, all of those things are true. And I, I just hope that kids will realize the power, the power in their voice, um, the power in the choices that they're making and the lessons that they're learning. And that's regardless of, of what it is that they want to do. You know, this isn't necessarily a story about how a person can get elected to Congress, but more so how a person can, um, can embrace the path and journey that they're on. I think readers of the book will also discover that during your campaign, you heard from a lot of doubters and people who said you couldn't win because of how you looked, who you loved or where you came from. And so I asked you ahead of this interview to share some guiding principles. And so I'd love to share with our listeners um, one of these points in particular, which was being true to your journey and how you deal with the ups and downs. You know, I think I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of things that we can do to 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 deal with the ups and downs. And some of that is internal. You know, I think that recognizing that you're like you're the one who gets to decide what success means for you um or what um, or what's important to you, because I think we spend a lot of time being told what we should want. We spend a lot of time being told what what success is supposed to be. And I think that those are the kinds of things that um, those are the messages we hear when when it feels like someone's doubting whether we can do something. It, it might be because they don't have the same view of success as we do. And that was a really important thing for me to learn. And something that I, that I hope, you know, kids or anybody really (laughs) who are reading the book can, can see that coming through. Yeah. Do you know, I, I, one of the things that really stood out to me was, um, and, uh, it, it was, it was the focus on the supporters and be grateful for their help, their help. And I, that really, um, like you said, I mean, this is great for kids to hear, but it was also great for me as an adult to hear too, because Mm -hmm. we all have doubters or, you know, Mm -hmm. somebody who is a naysayer of what we're trying to achieve and, and what feels like the right path for us. And just those simple words of focus on the supporters and be grateful for their help. Uh, it, it we, we we give too much power and focus to doubters in our life. And if we can shift that focus to the supporters, um, I think that makes a great difference. I'm glad you you mentioned that piece of it. And it's interesting because I, I do remember really wanting to make sure to include that there are other people who doubt us, but that also sometimes we doubt ourselves. And and listening to the supporters and listening to the people who are really trying to help you see that 
either you're on the right path for that, that they can see that you're following um, your journey in a really like authentic and, and way that's kind to yourself. I think that um, sometimes that can be the hardest thing is, is listening to the supporters because, because if we're doubting ourselves, then it ends up being easier to listen to the doubters. But if you can really take in, you know, the, the support and the, the positive energy that people are, are often trying to give you, it can make such a huge difference in, and, and just like putting one foot in front of the next and, and continuing on that path. I, one of the other guiding principles that you mentioned to me was to not be afraid to try new things. Um, so when, when you say, don't be afraid to try new things, um, I, I think of one element from your book when, you know, you were a, a first generation college graduate and you went on um, to law school and became a lawyer. And then you also pivoted and, you know, became a congresswoman. So all of those things would have been new things for you. But when you say, don't be afraid to try new things, what, what sort of went through your mind when you, um, when you wrote that down? Yeah, that's actually, there's a couple of, of things. Some of what you just mentioned, even just the idea of applying to law school or of trying to, you know, go out to apply for things where I ended up going out to DC for a fellowship and uh, got to learn a lot about the federal government that way. And I think that those those kinds of experiences were certainly new to me and they were a little bit scary, uh, not because, not because I had a vision for what, uh, the experience would be like, but because sometimes it's scary to do things that you think you might get, um, uh, rejected, you know, applying to any schools is, Oftentimes people, people get scared about, um, sometimes you get scared about succeeding and sometimes you get scared about not succeeding. <laughs> and I think those are the kinds of things when I think of, of trying new things, um, if you feel that sense of, of, oh no, what if I'm not good at this, or I don't know how to do this thing. And that can be everything from applying to school to trying martial arts, which I of course loved, um, to, uh, you know, picking up a musical instrument or trying to be, um, you know, trying to paint or there are so many different things that we sometimes, uh, limit ourselves because we don't know what's on the other side of taking that first step. So it's that kind of stuff when I think of trying new things. It, throughout your the autobiography, there was plenty of references to um, Bruce Lee, who obviously was an inspiration to you, maybe sort of one of the reasons you went down the path of martial arts. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about your martial arts background and how you feel like that has helped you become who you are now. Oh, yeah, I have felt 
I have felt like my life has been so enriched by practicing martial arts. And, and I imagine that people who do other, um, who, who do other things that they love also feel that whether it's sports or some other, um, some other thing that they are working toward, uh, where there's a practice involved and martial arts for me was a way to one, learn how to kind of stay connected with my, um, with my physical body and also learn how to, in a lot of ways, focus. And those things have, have really helped me. <laughs> I feel like at first when, when I was, you know, when I was young and this is in, um, this is in the book is I, I was, I really just, for some reason I would watch Bruce Lee, um, in movies and, and loved just, loved the idea of being able to run around and maybe be physically strong. I'm not even sure as a kid, but, you know, I, I really wanted to, to learn how to do martial arts, but it wasn't until I was an adult because my mom was raising, I have two younger brothers uh, as well. So she raised the three of us by herself and uh, taking martial arts classes was just not something she could afford. And and I know that in some ways, figuring out that, wait, I can pay for martial arts classes myself now because I'm, I'm an adult and I have a job. Um, even that was part of the growth, if that makes sense. And so um, I just felt like I got a lot out of it, learning how to persevere, learning how to work hard, learning how to learn and, and know that that's happening, even if I'm not seeing immediate results, you know, you, 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 sometimes you practice something for a really long time. And then one day you realize that you're doing it without thinking about it anymore. It's kind of like learning how to tie your shoes, yeah. you know, and when you're a little tiny kid and you're learning how to tie your shoes, it, it takes a lot of concentration, each loop, each twist, and then, uh, learning how to do martial arts is a similar thing. And then one day you realize you're just moving around and, and you're, and you're just doing it and you're not even thinking about it anymore. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. There is something I know after reading this book that you will not try, or you obviously tried it at one point, and that is pizza with onions. <laughs> I thought you might be wondering about that. As soon as you actually earlier, when you said, don't be afraid to try new things, I literally thought, unless it has onions on it. <laughs> That's hilarious. Do you like onions on anything or is it just onions on pizza? It's onions in general. And it's, it goes much deeper than that, but 
uh, I feel like it's the subject of a whole nother book. Um, I just, I'm, I'm a picky eater. So does this mean that, <laughs> does, does this mean there maybe is another book coming or <laughs> is this just an idea? It's an idea I'm having in the moment. And I've just always been a kind of a picky eater and, um, you know, because my mom is, my mom is really great about so many things. And one of those things is she, I feel like gave me room to be my own little human, if that makes sense. And, um, sometimes it, sometimes it meant, uh, not stopping me from talking when I was telling all my stories as a kid. And sometimes it meant letting me, um, pick, pick the onions off of, of pizza or something. Um, and so even, even something as simple as not wanting to eat onions, I, I felt like this is why my mom plays such a prominent role in the book is because I feel like so much of, of who I am and, um, even the quirky stuff, all the good stuff, uh, is because my, my mom is so great. I think, I think, I think your mom sounds amazing. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> she, yeah, she should be the star of, of, a, of a mom book for sure. Um, well, and just, I just want to say if just so in case it, um, helped, I mean, I'm sure you own the fact that you pick your onions off pizza, but you know, just in case this helps you feel better. My nine-year-old picks the cheese off her pizza. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've all got our, we've all got our thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you, you nailed it before when you said you thought we would discuss the illustrations, um, because we definitely need to discuss the incredible artwork. It's gorgeous. Um, and I would love to know how you felt when you first saw the artwork. Um, you know, I remember when I saw, because you know, the way these, which I didn't, I didn't know this before. Um, he did a couple of, a couple of specific pictures and they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't have color at first, you know, it was just kind of the, like a rough sketch. And even when I saw the rough sketch, I remember just literally saying, wow, this is so cool. And then when he filled in the colors, I I don't know how to describe the em emotional part of it, but I do remember thinking that I hope I hope people can not just see the the beauty in his work, but also the beauty in um having what I feel like is a good modern representation of, um, of an in indigenous style, if that makes sense. And, and I just felt like this book, these illustrations are so vibrant and so full of life and so full of, um, of, of meaning. And I, I mean, I was just blown away. We talked about everything from, you know, from a, from a political, uh, a political um, life to kids, to history, to my mom's 
you know, uh, promotion. And every single one of these stories comes through in such a like vibrant and deep way. I just, I mean, I, I also like maybe the second thing I said was um, absolutely. I think he should win some kind of award for these that like, I hope everybody gets the chance to see his work. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I, I, I think uh, what happens is we've got great artists that do many, many picture books, but there's sometimes there's just some picture books that become magical and you know it's because the artist that creates the work has connected with the words of you know of the story and so I just I hope it's okay I want to share just a little snippet of um what Joshua wrote in the artist's note at the back of the book oh yeah okay so he said when I read Sharice's story it resonated deeply with me because she speaks so openly about how she grew up disconnected from her nation and it also exemplifies Sharice's journey home by connecting with her culture and community. We share a similar history of displacement, and I think her story is an empowering example of resilience. It is such an honor to heal through artistic exploration of another Indigenous person's success. When I read that, it, like, it made sense to me why, why I was connecting with the artwork so deeply because he did mm. and when you read the artist's note in in the back of the book I'm wondering like how you felt when you read his words um I felt well just so you know like I get goosebumps still like when you were reading his words I got goosebumps because it just feels like, you know, so many of us spend time in our lives where, and I think this is true for, for so many of us. And, and then the way that um, the art comes through shows me that certainly when it comes to some of the native kids or indigenous um, folks who will be looking at this book, that, that so many of us feel either like small or invisible as certainly when we're children, but even as adults. And there can be times in our lives where just, you know, something something resonates with us where where it might not be the exact same story. You know, we don't have the exact same story, but um but there are elements of that, whether it's a, a feeling of disconnection, a feeling of invisibility. Um, you know, he, he speaks of, of generations of, of being displaced or, or silenced. And I think that those are the kinds of things where when you get the chance to see somebody else acknowledging, acknowledging that it can, it can just feel really like this, a, a powerful connection, even if, even if you've never met the other person in real life, um, or had specific conversations about that stuff. Ah, uh, well, I'm, I'm really 
I'm really grateful that, uh, you know, he was the artist that was oh my goodness, painted your words because it's it it just is, it works so beautifully. I'm also really grateful for the back matter, especially the information about the Ho Chunk Nation. I just I love it that more and more picture books are starting to include the back matter that just sort of it it. it brings more understanding and was that something that you requested or you know I these editors at the publishing houses are so smart was it the editor that said let's put this back matter in um so it was it was it's interesting because I haven't well this is the first time I've ever done anything like this remotely like this it was through a lot of questions that we were asking each other if that makes sense um you know I asked I had to ask so many questions about, about the process of, uh, you know, obviously it was important to me that we had an, an, an indigenous artist. I remember wondering about how we authentically talk about the experience that I had and also uh, making sure it's very important to me that people have more of an understanding about uh, Native experiences. And so when I found out that this was a thing that we could do, I immediately was, um, you know, John Greendeer, who is a former president of um, of Ho-Chunk and is somebody who I've had um, years and years of relationship and conversation with. And he... Uh, I, I called him before I even talked to the the folks at at Harper's about about uh, whether or not this is something. First, I wanted to make sure that it would be a, an appropriate thing for us to be, you know, putting uh, putting some of this history in this way in a book, you know, that's about about my specific journey because um, I want to make sure that I'm you know, respectful of, of, of our, of our traditions and history and that sort of thing. Um, and asked if he would be willing to talk to, um, talk to the, to the folks that were part of the team about, about doing it. And, um, and he was willing to do that. And I, I've, I'm very, very grateful. And I've called him a number of times just to kind of check in and let him know how, um, how things are going with with the book, and that this to me is like I'm 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 so glad actually that you brought it up because I was thinking about how this to me is going to be one of the pieces that's like so cool about this book is that I hope a ton of people read and learn a bit about the Ho Chunk, and then maybe it will encourage folks to learn more about um, other tribal histories and and just get to know a little bit more about the, you know, the long complex history in our, in our country and on this land, you know, I've had to reflect a lot because, because this is a children's book. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that folks often, um, this is like friends and, um, like colleagues, people I, I meet who, who are now finding out that I've, have a, a children's book out is that question of like, oh, there must be a children's book that inspired you as a child. And now you're hoping to do the same. And I think that one of the reasons that I 
was so excited about writing a, a children's book or why I think it's so important um, to have done something like this is because there wasn't a book when I was a kid that, um, you know, kind of uh, spoke to me or stuck with me or, or that certainly there have been as, as an adult, but, but I think it really makes me recognize just how important things like when I found out that only like 1% of characters in kids' books are, are native uh, or indigenous, um, when I, and when I realized that, you know, I didn't have that, um, that kind of, I don't even, I don't even want to say inspiration. It's more just that, that feeling of being seen, um, in, as a, as a child in, in books. Um, I think that it's, I think it can be really impactful to have more, more children's books reflecting, just reflecting more what our country uh, is and looks like um, and the experiences that we have. And that's everything from being native to being a first-generation college student to being raised by a single mom. You know, those things are, um, they're all real things. They're all stuff that, you know, we we got to make sure we're giving credit to, to, to the children in our lives. They see everything, they hear everything, and they, they're learning from every single thing that we're saying and doing. And um, just, you know, making sure that they get to see that stuff is really important. Yes. And now we're going to come full circle from the beginning of the podcast episode when I said that I think you are literally a superhero because I have just discovered <laughs> that you may have a different superhero power that I did not know about. And it is mind reading because I always like to ask the question, to be a writer, they say you need to be a reader first. And was there a pivotal moment in which you considered yourself a reader? And I think you kind of just answered that by saying that there weren't really any books that changed your life as a, as a young kid and that you just expressed the importance for native kids to be able to see themselves in books and that it's equally important for all kids to see diverse characters in the books that they read. And so there we have it. You are not only the representative of the third district of Kansas, you are also officially a superhero. <laughs> 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 well, I'll take it. I'll take it. I um I, I've really enjoyed uh talking to you and I was really um appreciated the questions that you asked. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Cherise. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on this quest for growing readers. The Growing Readers Podcast is a production of the Children's Book Review. If you like this show, remember you can hear it on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show to get new episodes as soon as they launch. To discover more amazing books for kids, just like Sharice's Big Voice, A Native Kid Becomes a Congresswoman, I hope you'll visit us at thechildrensbookreview.com.